And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. It's time to talk dollars and cents, and uh, talking about the cents, it's uh, Luke Smith, so I guess the lawyer must be talking about the dollars. <laughs> good afternoon. How are we, mate? You good? So far, so good. So Luke Smith from Envision Financial, and also Kellen Christofferson once again from Artisan Legal. And mm. uh, last time around, we were talking about wills, but this time we're going to talk about something even more exciting than wills. We're talking about powers of attorney, which, uh, you know, might sound a little dry, but it's actually a very important topic. Yeah, look, it's one that, again, this is a bit of a series we did, and I thought it'd be great to get Kellen in again. Um, last week we talked about wills. This week we're going to put a bow on enduring powers of attorney because a lot of confusion or misconception around one's built in the other. This one includes that. It's part of this. It's part of that. I can get it from the post office. And I think what people should have taken from last week is there are so many complexities that you've just not even considered. Um, so to think, oh, well, my situation's fairly simple. I can just do it like this or it's just me to you. Today we're going to touch on enduring powers of attorney because there are complexities here that you know we were touching on before we went on air about, you know, well, what about this and, 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 and what could it be here and what are the implications of someone having the power to do this? So we'll touch on the whys today, the whats, and the things to look out for because like anything when it comes to the law unless you're speaking their language it's it's it might as well be in, a, in another language um but it's important people understand because this one i find is one that everyone comes in and says oh i've got that from my mum and dad mm -hmm. but, you know, it's almost like it's perceived as an old people's document when actual fact everybody should have one and we're going to touch on some of the big sort of do's and don'ts today okay now you've said a couple of times enduring power of attorney but that's not the only kind of power of attorney is there so uh, what is an enduring power of attorney and how is it different from other kinds of powers of attorney well i'm very glad that you asked because that's a question <laughs> that i get asked all the time if you wanted to think about powers of attorney as an umbrella term enduring powers of attorney are one of the types of powers of attorney under that umbrella and the confusing thing is that in a federation, all around Australia, we've got different states and territories, and they all call documents different things. So in the ACT where we are today, there are two types, enduring power of attorney and general power of attorney. Enduring power of attorney is so-called because it endures past the point where you lose mental capacity. So you make a document that says that if you lose the ability to make decisions for yourself, you nominate someone to make decisions about your finances and your medical treatment on your behalf. In New South Wales, by comparison, they call power of attorney, the one about property and finances, and enduring guardianship, the one about medical. Oh, okay. In Victoria, they've got power of attorney and medical power of attorney. The other type of power of attorney in the ACT's general power of attorney, which is not really what we're talking about today, mm. and it's a document that only is usable while you have mental capacity, it's the kind of thing you might use, say, if you're a businessman who was often overseas and you needed somebody to run your business while you were gone. So it's enduring power of attorney that we look at in estate planning. Okay. Now, obviously, enduring powers of attorney and wills are two different things, but they often go hand in hand. That's right, they do. And a lot of people will say, as Luke said, words to the effect of, I've got a power of attorney in my will. And they're not the same document. But they go hand in hand because they're part of the same kind of thought exercise of planning out your affairs if you can no longer be in control. So wills are for use, obviously, if you've passed away. Powers of attorney can only be used while you are still alive, and they're for use if you've lost the ability to make decisions for yourself. And I think that's a good one because people, again, jump to the extreme. And it could be something simple like 
uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but the home phone is in my name and my wife is busting to ring up and tear Telstra a new one and they say, oh, I'm sorry, you're not Mr Smith. She can whip through the enduring power of attorney that says, hey, you can act on my behalf and then she can go hell for leather screaming down the phone at her, you know, utmost enjoyment um, because it's given her something simple. But that's, that's an example. I think the big misconception as well is that, oh, we're married. We have the right to things. And I know on the super front, if something's happened and you need to get money out for medical treatment, an amendment to the house, and you haven't met certain conditions, without somebody being able to sign for you, the trustee is going to want an acknowledgement that you've made a choice and you've given direction. And without an enduring power of attorney, it can become very cumbersome and very expensive to be able to get the money out that you need at a time when you need it most. Um, and they're, they're just two very basic examples of why you'd want one of these things and not need it, then need it and not have it. Well, that's always uh, an important piece of advice. Better to have it and not need it than the other mm. way around. Um, this is an interesting thing, though. You, you talked about uh, the having the phone account, for example, in one partner's name, but this is the sort of everyday practical difficulty that people run up against all the mm. time uh, when dealing with uh, all sorts of things, not just phones or, or medical matters or whatever the case might be. Uh, these days we've got so much privacy regulation that you, there are organisations that won't even talk to you simply because you're not the individual named on the account. Mm. So it's it's become more difficult and more challenging than ever, hasn't it? Well, that's right. And that's one of the things that power of attorney is for. It yes. gives you that legal authority to access another person's accounts, to talk on their behalf, to sign legal documents for them. It's just as Luke says, being married to somebody doesn't give you that right automatically. Hmm. And is that, give us some examples then of um, when it would be used or who can act in that capacity? Oh, do you, you need to be over 18, you need to be an adult. Are there any other prerequisites to, to act in that capacity? Yeah, well, that's basically it. So you, in order to make a power of attorney, you've got to be an adult and you've, you've got to be of sound mind. And the person you appoint just has to be an adult. And for an enduring power of attorney, they have to agree. But that's really all there right. is to it. So it's common for husbands and wives to nominate each other. Yep. But you can nominate somebody else. You can nominate two people to act together if you want them to work jointly and to supervise each other. Um, and appointing somebody to hold power of attorney gives them that legal ability to ring up Telstra, talk on your behalf on the account, sign documents to refinance a mortgage if you can't do that anymore deal with accounts that might be in your sole name. You made a comment, sorry to interrupt you, but you made a comment before we went on air about there's something that people need to be mindful of where there's husband and wife that have the power for each other. Yes. Just elaborate on that for us. Yes, I did. So one of the common misconceptions is that powers of attorney are simple documents. A lot of the time people will be willing to go and see a lawyer to do a will because they perceive that as being a proper legal document, but they go, oh, power of attorney is just a form you can download. You can mm. fill it out with a JP. You can get a kit from the post office. They mm. treat it as being less serious. Mm -hmm. And what's actually written in that document itself is the tip of the iceberg of what it means because there's a whole body of law beneath the surface, the bottom of the iceberg, mm -hmm. that regulates what the person you've appointed can do. And that's not all written in the document. Some of it's implied. For example, if you made a very simple injury power of attorney, it might say, if I'm incapacitated, I appoint my wife to make decisions about my health and about my property. And it might not say anything more than that. Mm -hmm. In which case, the obligation that she has by default, if you're incapacitated, is that she can only use your money for you. She can't use it for herself. Mm 
And so if, for example, mm. you've taken out a great big trauma insurance policy or total impairment disability policy or income protection or something, you're in an accident, you lose your capacity and your wife gives up her job to become your full-time carer, she's got no more money of her own. And in fact, that's part of the reason why you took out your big insurance policy to protect the both of you. By default, she can't use that money for her. She can spend it on you. If the house is in her name, she can't pay off the mortgage. If she's got a medical bill, if she's got costs of living, if she's got clothes that she needs to wear, food that she needs to eat, if she needs a break from you, she wants to go on holiday, um, she can't use that money for herself unless you've worded it into the power of attorney. And that's right. part of what lawyers do. Indeed. That's why it's always important to talk to the experts. Now, uh, a slight break from the usual procedures here, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. We have a caller who has a question about a power of attorney. So you'll need those headphones, Kellen. And if we just plug them into any one of those jacks there, where it fits, that's right. And you can even adjust the volume if you like. So, uh, Annette, can you tell us what is your question? Oh, God, I'm listening to everything, I get more and more confused. Um, my husband and his past, and I had power of attorney, and I just thought, yes, it was for medical reasons so that I get to do what his wishes were. And then I had enduring power of attorney, but I, no one was executor. Ah, that's a simple thing to have conflated. Powers of attorney and executors are different. So executors are in wills, and remember, wills take effect if you pass away. So let's say if someone who holds power of attorney for a, a person while they're alive, they can they can act on that person's behalf, whether depending on what the document says, for property, finances, medical, whatever it might be, for as long as they live. But the day that person passes away, the power of attorney ceases to have any effect, becomes null and void, no more authority. And that's so when So does enduring power of attorney take over on that? No, executorship oh. of the will takes over. So oh. enduring power of attorney will continue while that person's lost mental capacity, but it only continues up until they die. And then you, then you need to have a will and an executor to take over from there. Indeed. Thanks, Annette, for the call. And that's exactly why you need to have both documents, isn't it? You need to have the power of attorney and you also need to have the will. Yes, you do. Mm. Yeah, I and think and if, you, if you have one without the other, you're in all sorts of trouble. Yes. I think, again, it just talks to the complexity of the various stages that people will go through and when documents do and do not apply. And having one without the other is is just as dangerous as not having anything at all. Okay. So what are some of the key considerations that need to be kept in mind when uh, arranging a power of attorney? Well, the first one that I would say, and this is going back to the very beginning, is jurisdiction. Because remember, they're called different things in different states and territory. And those documents look slightly different in different states and territories. What's recognised in New South Wales and what's recognised in Canberra are not necessarily the same thing. And particularly in the ACT, we have to be mindful of the fact that a lot of us have affairs across the border. You know, you might work in Canberra and live in Queanbeyan or vice versa. You might have accounts set up with a bank in New South Wales or you might need to go to a specialist hospital that's in Sydney one day. ACT documents enjoy a little bit more recognition in other states than, than vice versa, but there's a, there's a lot of complexity behind that, and a lawyer can help you to work out which forms you need to complete and also whether you need to have duplicate forms in different jurisdictions or whether you need them to be worded in particular ways to be recognised. 
other things that you really need to consider are the directions that you give and the powers that you give. Because it's as we say that there's the tip of the iceberg and there's what's beneath the surface. And having a lawyer do your power of attorney with you will help you to know what's going to be implied into it by default. Like that bit about can the wife use your money to pay her own medical bills or pay for the kid's school or pay for Mm -hmm. the joint expenses. Um, You can specify that. You can also tell people what you want them to decide about your medical treatment or what you don't want them to do. Or you might want to give power of attorney to somebody in respect of your medical and somebody else in respect of your property. So there's, we can really make them bespoke to your situation. Okay. I guess the other important question that needs to be asked is what happens if you don't have one? Well, if you don't have one, then you're in the hands of the law. Which means? <laughs> well, what it means is that by default there's nobody who can make decisions and usually somebody will need to make an application to the civil and administrative tribunal of the relevant state. So, for example, you know, let's say you have no power of attorney and you hit by a bus in Canberra and you take him to the Canberra hospital. Well, somebody there might assist your family to connect to the civil and administrative tribunal and make an application to become your administrator and guardian. But that's not going to be immediately considered by the tribunal. The tribunal's got a heavy caseload, and so you might not get a hearing date for several weeks. And in the meantime, you'll be more or less in limbo. So things can really start to get difficult if you don't have a power of attorney that's signed and sealed and ready to go. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like dealing with CBUS. <laughs> exactly. Um, if you don't mind, uh, Kellen, we've got another listener question. Margaret has a question. Uh, it's not about a power of attorney. It's about a will. Margaret, what is your question? Hello. How are you going? Love your show. Thank you. What's the question, Margaret? Uh, the question is I don't have a will uh, because I've left everything in my son's name. The house is in his name and everything. So is it necessary for me to have a will because everything's going to him anyway? Well, it's an interesting question. I still think that everybody should have a will, even if you do not own very many assets. Unless you have a will, you do not have an executor. Who? So your family might have difficulty closing off accounts after you've gone, um, dealing with the tax office. And I mean, also in respect of things like making funeral arrangements, the executor yeah. is the person who officially has the power to do that. Yeah, my Sorry. son's got the power of doing that. Uh, well, oh, if okay. if if you if you if I haven't got a will, then it makes it a little bit more tricky for him to do that. So the short answer is, Margaret, yes, you do need to have a will, especially if everything's all going to the sun, because that'll just make it absolutely clear. Thanks for the call. Nancy sent us this question. Nancy says, we have enduring powers of attorney with our solicitor in Victoria. We now live in New South Wales, but we have properties in both states. So I'm guessing that leads to some confusion, Kellen. Well, it certainly could, because whether those Victorian documents will be recognised in New South Wales to deal with the New South Wales assets is going to depend on the way they're drafted and executed. So I can't tell you without being able to see them, but I certainly think it's worth getting an opinion about. You can't assume that just because something will be recognised in one state that it's going to meet the criteria to be recognised in another. Especially if you've got property in both jurisdictions. Exactly, because if you need to use it to sell a property, you'd have to have it meet the criteria of land titles in that jurisdiction. Okay, now if you want to whack the headphones back on again, we've got Marie on the phone who has a question about a power of attorney. Marie, what's your question? Oh, hello. Um, Look, my mother went into a nursing home at the peak of COVID. Uh, Not long before that, uh, the power of attorney was enacted uh, and 
that was um, given to my younger brother. Um, there's four of us, four children in the family. Um, I guess I'm a, quite surprised and alarmed at the amount of power that a power of attorney has. I had no idea. For instance, um, obviously the my mother's home had to be sold very quickly and um, uh, my power of attorney brother mm. uh, mm-hmm. signed okay. off. You know, he, yeah. he Marie, we, we don't have a lot of time, so I'm, yeah. I'm guessing your question yeah. here is what are the yeah. limits to the power of attorney and what yeah. can somebody yeah. else in the family do if you believe those limits are being yeah. abused? Well, yeah. that's right. Well, he just signed signed over the car to my other brother. Yeah. Um, also, in the nursing home, he gets to decide whether I can take my mother yeah, well, well, that's that's what the power if of attorney I, does. But here's here's the answer from Kellen. Okay, so just because somebody has power of attorney doesn't mean that their power is limitless. They are subject to obligations under the Act, and assuming that this is in the ACT, those obligations are both about human rights and and the rights that the incapacitated person has, and also about you know that person's property being kept safe and not necessarily given away to other people. I think if you've got concerns about a power of attorney, you need to seek some legal advice. You need to actually have a lawyer look at that document and tell you exactly what your brother can do. Um, And if you have concerns, then that lawyer can help you um, perhaps to take some action if there is action available to you. Thanks very much for the call, Marie. And uh, we're almost out of time, but I guess that really kind of underlines one of the more important messages that uh, we have today, and that is it is important to get expert professional assistance to deal with these quite complicated issues. That's exactly right. I think that's it in a nutshell. Okay, Luke, what do we do if we want more information? Well, don't ring me. I, <laughs> I could have stayed home today. <laughs> um, look, my number hasn't changed, 62604749. Um, we use Kellen extensively for all of the reasons that we've seen over the last two weeks. His, his, his breadth of knowledge and his ability to speak in English and explain things is fantastic. Um, so reach out. If you, if you want some advice, we can put you in touch with him. Um, this will be on the podcast, Strategy Stacker, Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify and also be on the YouTube channel, Envision Financial Canberra, where you can see the recording and watch it on your iPhone. Um, if people want to reach out, Callum, where can they where can they get you? So they can get me on phone or email, so 618-35140 or Kellen, K-E-L-L-I-N, at artisanlegal.com.au and that's A-R-T-I-S-A-N legal. <laughs> Thank you both very much, and thank you especially, Kellen, because uh, we won't be seeing you next week, but uh, it's been fun. Uh, Luke, you will be back next week with another edition of uh, talking all about money. I'll find something exciting next week. You'll come up with something, don't you worry about that. (laughs)